Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody! Help! Not just anybody! Help! You know I need someone! Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 207 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. After retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving. Our topic today is the role of the Roman Catholic faith in family caregiving. Family caregivers, who include children caring for parents as well as parents caring for children, care for family members living with physical and mental illnesses that can't be cured. They care for family members living with permanent disabilities that they were born with. They care for family members living with the effects of serious injuries. And they care for family members living at the end of their lives. The pressures of family caregiving on family caregivers are too often exhausting physically, psychologically and financially. Family caregivers need support, including the spiritual support of their faith and the practical support of their faith communities, which is why our topic, the role of the Roman Catholic faith in family caregiving, is so important. To discuss it, our guest is Angelo Minardi. Angelo was born in Sicily, Italy, and immigrated to Canada at age three. He and his wife, Katya, have two children, Sophia and Luca, In 1997, he graduated with a BA in sociology from the University of Toronto. His first job was at the Bank of Montreal. But desiring more meaning in his life, he pursued studies in theology at St. Augustine's Seminary in Scarborough, Ontario, where he completed his master's degree. In 2003, he became a full-time chaplain at All Saints Catholic Secondary School. He continued his studies in spiritual direction at Regis College at the University of Toronto, and he also works as an instructor with the Ontario English Catholic Teachers Association, teaching theology, and with the Bachelor of Education Continuing Studies program at the University of Ontario's Institute of Technology. And in all this work, he meets with young people to help them see the presence of God in their daily lives, and he provides spiritual direction for seniors at the Oak Ridge's retirement residence in Richmond Hill. So welcome to the show, Angelo. So much, Doctor. Thank you. Appreciate it. Now, question. Please tell us some more about your personal story. Absolutely. 
Um, you said a lot there already about my uh, my upbringing and my studies, but uh, one person in particular that sticks out when thinking about my personal story uh, would be, and it'd be uh, almost impossible not to include him uh, when uh, talking about my personal story, and that would be a priest, a priest that my family and I met when we first immigrated to Canada, and his name was Father Mario De Giusti. And Father Mario was uh, an integral part of my life, was, was very present uh, in my life uh, right up until he passed away in August of the year 2000. Uh, Father Mario was also uh, the chaplain of the Don Jail, a medium security prison in Toronto. And it was Father Mario who really um, instilled in me, if you will, the values. Uh, the values, the desire to want to be in a relationship uh, with God and to want to be able to, you know, serve God while at the same time uh, being married. Uh, certainly, he had a, an integral role in my ministry as a chaplain. Uh, there were many times when I had questions or I needed to, you know, uh, discuss a little bit more my faith with him, uh, talk to him about some of the issues in our faith, and he was always ready and willing to do that. And uh, as well, uh, he also allowed me to be part of his prison ministry as well at the Don Jail as I, uh, as I matured into a young man, and I was able to also assist him with some ministry at the Don Jail. So uh, an important person in my story, and uh, of course, young people are also extremely important in my story. I've been serving young people now, mostly high school students, for the last 10 years of my professional career, and uh, they are life-giving. They are incredible to be around. They're um, very open-minded, always willing to help, and uh, great to spend time with, to be quite frank. So I, I would have to say, in terms of my own personal story, that uh, certainly without Father Mario, without the young people that surround me today, uh, I would not be the person that I am. And, and I do mean that genuinely, and uh, I'm very thankful for them. Thank you. Angela, please, Angela, please tell us about your workers' school chaplain. It's a very uh, fulfilling role. It's also one that's extremely, um, uh, you don't always see us, uh, for example, meaning that uh, we're not a teacher, so we're not as visible as a teacher, for example, in the classroom. And that's because uh, we're responsible for the overall spiritual and human development of our, of our, uh, of our student body as well as our staff members. So that means um, we provide pastoral care uh, to our community members. Uh, so you'll find me a lot, you know, roaming the hallways, for example, or out in the community visiting people at the hospital or in their homes. Uh, I will also visit classrooms or spend time in the chapel in prayer with our students. Uh, a lot of the work also revolves around counseling. Uh, I provide one-on-one uh, -on -one counseling uh, to our students as well as staff members when needed. And spiritual direction. And that's something which uh, really looks at uh, your life, looks at the happenings of your life, the people, the events, the moments, and how God is always present with you during that time. Whether or not we recognize it or whether or not we're aware of it or even want to admit it, uh, my purpose as a chaplain, as a spiritual director, would be to uh, make that person aware that God is indeed active in their life. And so the ministry is one of presence. Uh, it's presence in the school community. It's presence in the community at large, uh, whether it be, you know, at school functions or at functions outside of the school and local churches, for example. In outreach, uh, we spend a lot of time out in the community serving the needs of the poor. 
Um, and also it involves visiting uh, sick members of our community, so lots of visits to the hospital and to homes where we will find these people. Well, what have you seen of family caregiving, and what has been your own involvement with family caregiving? Yeah, it's a good question. I, again, I, I have to mention Father Mario. Uh, he was, um, uh, he has since passed. Father Mario passed away to pancreatic cancer back in the year 2000. And it's interesting because when I think of family caregiving, uh, Father Mario, the first thing he would always tell me was, uh, Angela, your, you know, your job is to, to love uh, your family, love those most important to you to love God, but also to serve others. And so that whole uh, upbringing where, not that you would put yourself second, uh, second-hand or secondly, you need to take care of yourself first, that's very important. But he would always encourage me to help those who needed help, to help the poor, the vulnerable, the lonely. But Father Mario himself, I mentioned how he passed away in the year 2000. Uh, Father Mario had, uh, we had become very close to him as a family. And when he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and was told that he had six months to live, he uh, came to, over to our home and he asked us if he could live with us. And of course we said yes, and he asked us a second question. And the second question was, can I die in your home? And so our family, at, um, at, at a very important time in, in our life, but also in, in Father Mario's life, uh, the last six months of his life, uh, we were able to care for him in our own home. And so that was an incredible experience. It was an experience that uh, brought our family together, but also um, really made a connection to why this man was so important to us in our life and why he was in our life. And that was to also serve him and to be with him and assist him uh, when he passed away. My grandmother as well, who uh, just over two years ago now uh, died and uh, she suffered from dementia. Uh, she was also very, very sick physically. And we were also uh, very blessed to have her in our home as well when she passed. So as, as a family, uh, fam- in terms of family caregiving, in terms of um, what I've seen of it, uh, the experiences have been positive. Yes, they can be painful, but they've been very positive, and they've uh, certainly laid a great foundation uh, for me in my ministry, in my life as a, as a father, as a spouse, uh, moving forward. Talking about Father Mario... Um, he came to your home, and he joined your family, and you became his family caregiver, didn't Is it, Yes, that's absolutely. Happened? That's exactly what happened, yes. See, Father Mario, uh, at a very young age, at the age of seven, uh, he grew up in northern Italy. At the age of seven, he lost his father to a construction-related accident. And at the age of nine, his mother died of leukemia. So from a very young age, he, he was without parents. He had two older siblings who, at the age of 14, thought it would be important for him to get on with his life, but not in northern Italy, not where he lived, but rather in France. There were a lot of northern Italians who were immigrating to France at the time. And so he went over to France, but only for a couple of years. And then he returned, or, or he came over to Canada, where there was also a lot of immigration. This would have been uh, in the uh, mid to late 60s. And uh, he was one of the first people we met when we first immigrated to Canada as well back in 1978. Uh, Father Mario was the first per- one of the first people we met because we had no place to go. We had very little money as a family. My dad was looking for a job. And uh, I remember knocking on the church door with my family 
and the person who opened the door was Father Mario. So from uh, from our very first days here in Canada, uh, he was uh, very present in our life. And so going back to his early life, he lost his family yeah. when he was very young. At the end of his life, you became his family caregivers, and yeah. he wanted you to do that because, in effect, he asked you. That's correct. That's correct. And it's interesting because when he did ask, or when he had first asked if he could live with us, instinctually we said, well, of course. You know, we're, we weren't going to say no. But then, like I said, he asked us a second question. He said, can I die in your home? Can you take care of me? You know, he also had mentioned that before he died, he wasn't afraid to die. He was in incredible pain, that I remember. He had lost a lot of weight, and it was very quick. But he did ask us to be with him when he died, that he didn't want to die alone. And so as a family and, and, and living, you know, growing up in a family where, where addiction was very much present amongst my siblings uh, and my father, uh, Father Mario was that unifying person. He was that person that kept our family together in our caregiving for him. So just a, a remarkable story, a remarkable man, and certainly um, one of the main reasons as a family today, we continue to give care uh, to who, who, whomever we, we, you know, needs it or whomever may ask of us. Uh, we believe that that, that that essential value or that that. The foundation for that uh, was given to us and provided to us, laid out for us by Father Mario. Angela, that's uh, an, a story to be remembered, isn't it? What you it really said. is, and uh, one of my one of the things that I do with our, our high school students is we take them on retreat once a year, and I always make a point uh, when we're on retreat. Uh, we're at the introduction of all of our of our, our our time together. I always share my story with the young people, and I always share Father Mario with them. Yeah. And uh, it's an instant connection. Yeah, it's an absolutely. instant connection. There's a connection made uh, right away, and I think that too assists me in my own ministry as a chaplain is to be able to to be able to connect with them through that story. Now it's time where we have to take a short break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Angelo Minardi. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We're coming back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in to the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. Radio to thrive by. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. 
are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Angelo Minardi. Our topic is the role of the Roman Catholic faith in family caregiving. So let's talk about the ways in which the Roman Catholic faith supports family caregiving. So, Angela, how does a Roman Catholic church in a, in a community support yeah. family caregivers, including young people who have the role of family caregivers, um, but all of them are members of its congregation? So how does the church reach out to them and, and support them? Right. It, it, it's a very good question. And uh, as you can imagine, the church, Roman Catholic Church, being uh, over a billion people, uh, 1.2 billion Catholics in the world, there is uh, there is a lot of work that's active, uh, especially uh, locally or, or in terms of in our local parishes uh, with family caregivers. I think the first thing I want to say, uh, Dr. Gordon, is uh, one of the first things our, our, our Catholic faith teaches us is uh, indicated in our Catholic social teachings, which essentially is a way of life, sort of guidelines for how we are to live. And the first Catholic teaching, Catholic social teaching, which is, uh, in effect, its principle, it's its main uh, foundation, is that the human person has dignity and respect. So the dignity and respect of the human person is is inherent in our creation as man and woman. And so that is integral. That becomes critically important when looking at how we support family caregivers, including our young people, meaning we are created in the image of God. Uh, Essentially, that's it. We are all created in the image of God. And within us, there is a certain divinity that also exists. And that divinity is God's imprint in our souls, in our hearts, if you will. So we are called, therefore, to love one another and ultimately to love our neighbor. There's a beautiful passage uh, in, in, the, in the scriptures, the uh, passage of the Good Samaritan. And it talks about how this man was, was, left, this, uh, uh, was left by the roadside, beaten up and, and robbed and, and left for dead. And it talks about how a, uh, a priest went by and kind of ignored him, walked over to the other side. A Levite, uh, which was uh, a part of the Jewish sect, the religious sect, uh, also just kind of ignored this man. But yet there was a Samaritan. And the Samaritans at the time were also a, a, a separate religious sect of the Jewish people, which were not always in favor with all Jews. And so it was this Samaritan man who went and assisted this man who was left for dead on the roadside. And, and he, he bandaged him up, he, he brought him to an inn, paid for his time there, and cared for him, and basically left some money as well uh, behind in case uh, they needed it to, to continue to care for him. So when looking at how the Catholic Church supports family caregivers, including our young people uh, who have the role of family caregivers, the dignity and respect of the human person is is fundamental. It's integral, and it's the base or the foundation from which we work from. Right. Now, 
let's you you use the word neighbor um, yes. in talking about the the work of the church and also the principles so let's take a situation where there's a roman catholic church supporting family caregivers including the young people yes uh, but its local community isn't all catholic there are other religions or people mm-hmm. without religions yes. how does a roman catholic church reach out to those people uh, very good question as well. Uh, there's a lot of um, uh, interfaith dialogue. Uh, you'll hear that a lot uh, between uh, Christian churches in particular, but also other churches, other faiths, uh, Jewish, Muslim, uh, etc. Uh, the Catholic Church in its community uh, will actively seek out other congregations and work with them in looking to provide support to the poor, to the vulnerable that exist in our community. So one great example of that would be the Out of the Cold program, for example, which takes place in the Archdiocese of Toronto every winter during the winter months, where all churches, all Christian churches in particular, in a certain neighborhood, will open their church hall doors at 6 p.m. on the evening, on, on a certain evening, and this will go from Monday to Friday, and they, it's, it's rotated between churches. And all these uh, churches will open up their church halls. They will feed the poor. Uh, they will feed the mentally ill. They will feed uh, anyone who comes to their doors. Give them a place to sleep. They will lay out for them mattresses and blankets and that. Give them a place to, to sleep. Feed them the next morning and then send them off again. And so that's a great example of how those churches will work together. There's also uh, what they call ecumenical councils. Again, this is groups of churches, uh, particularly Christian churches, that will get together in communities, in local communities. And, and this, is, um, this is quite the case here in Toronto. And, and they will spend time together talking about the issues at large, talking about their congregations, praying together, uh, spending time together in prayer, because that becomes uh, also very important uh, when looking to provide care uh, to people, to have that, uh, that nourishment spiritually in order to then be able to give physically to these people. Uh, so they will also pray together as, as, as churches. And so those are two examples where uh, they will actively engage uh, and, and, and seek each other out and work towards supporting uh, all people in need, but in particular uh, supporting their congregation, their members uh, that, that need the assistance. I want to just follow up on the way in which the Archdiocese works. You've mentioned the Out of the Cold program where all the religions uh, work together and support the wider community. And if I can just make a political point to you, what in fact you're doing is supplementing the healthcare system. Mm -hmm. And that's praise. That's Mm -hmm. saying this is the way in which your faith and the faiths are supporting a system that right. needs help. So it's not just the people, it's the system. Absolutely. But I'm also, I'm also interested in the question of what are the other things that an, the arch, an archdiocese would do in a large major city with all the things that go on in a major city, good, right. bad, and the rest. How, how, what does it do? The Archdiocese of Toronto is is a large diocese. Uh, in fact, we have over uh, 225 parishes in the diocese, um, and close, if I recall, close to 100 different languages uh, where Mass is celebrated every Sunday uh, in our community. 
an organization within the archdiocese or a, a community within the archdiocese uh, is what we call Share Life. And Share Life is the uh, the official charitable arm of the diocese. So what that means is Share Life actively involves community members, congregation members, and all the dioceses to raise funds in order to then support um, different people with special needs in our diocese. So I'll give you an example. So Share Life uh, supporting local Catholic charities in the diocese, and they do so annually. There are different organizations that they will then reach out to and support, and specific organizations will deal with uh, for example, family caregivers. Uh, one of those organizations is called Mary Center. Uh, Mary Center is a place, a, a place of refuge for people with severe physical and mental disabilities. And how they're set up in Toronto is they're set up in residential homes. So they have homes spread throughout the whole city of Toronto. So Share Life will provide so much money to them to run their programs. So what they do is they develop programs so that these people with special needs or with physical or, or mental disabilities can live independently in these homes. They will live independently with caseworkers, with nurses, um, with program managers, if you will, people who set up the logistics of the home, but they will uh, set them up to live an independent lifestyle. Uh, they also uh, offer respite care for family caregivers. So, for example, uh, perhaps they don't have enough room or enough space uh, to provide support directly for their loved ones. They will provide in their homes some respite care for the family members who are supporting or who are caregiving for these for these people. So it, it, that's only one organization, uh, a doctor, that, that provides that. There's also, uh, in the Archdiocese of Toronto as well, there's also a place called Our Place Community of Hope. And this is located in downtown Toronto. Again, this is a place, uh, Our Place, which is called, which provides a ministry of presence, a ministry of hospitality to people who are essentially homeless but living with mental illness. And so they will help these people uh, build different skills, for example, to live independently, to help support them independently. Also, they will look to help them uh, work towards getting a job and, and being able to, to, to then uh, go out and, and shop and, and, and provide for themselves the food that they need. Uh, this is another organization because, unfortunately, doctor, what we see in Toronto is we see an increasing number of homeless people, and many of them suffer from mental illness, but there's just not enough room for them. We don't have the space for them. The shelters are overcrowded. The shelters are often violent, uh, and there's a lot of theft in the shelters. So a lot of our homeless community, a lot of our uh, homeless with, with mental illness will choose to stay outdoors. And so our place, our place Community of Hope, will assist them uh, and will open their doors to them to assist them. So those are just two examples of how Share Life uh, assists those in a, on a larger scale in the diocese. So once again, this is the work that the Archdiocese is doing, which is subsidizing the health care system, which, if I can say this, isn't coping very well with yes. the kind of problems you're talking about. That is to yeah. say... Yes, I would agree. It definitely, it definitely adds assistance. In fact, I will go even a step further 
and mention that every year in the Archdiocese of Toronto, every November, we have what is called the Cardinal's Dinner. And so uh, the Cardinal of the Archdiocese right now, it's Cardinal Thomas Collins. Uh, he will host an evening, uh, a dinner, where there will be a master ceremony, there will be special guests, where usually you have close to 2,000 people attend. And every all the proceeds of that night, all the, the proceeds for the dinner, for, for a ticket, will go towards supporting. It's time to take a break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Angelo Minardi. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Power River. Please stay with us. We will be back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Want the inside scoop about what's going on in the social networks of art and entertainment? Tune in to Star Power Hour, brought to you by 4talent.com. We'll talk to the top professionals in the entertainment industry and find out what they're working on and what's next. Your host is James Barber, who has his finger on the pulse of the arts and entertainment world. Star Power Hour, brought to you by 4talent.com, live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week. Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Angelo Minardi. Our topic is the role of the Roman Catholic faith in family caregiving. So now let's talk about the role of the Roman Catholic faith in family caregiving in today's health care. Um, we've already mentioned one or two things about that already uh, in the way that um, this, these services you've been describing subsidize the healthcare system. Right. But I, I want to go into uh, a slightly different discussion, and it's this. In the Roman Catholic faith, how are parents' responsibilities to their children and the children's responsibilities to their parents viewed and supported, and are there guiding principles when problems arise? Very good question, uh, again, and uh, lots uh, lots there to talk about. I think the first thing uh, that's important uh, when uh, talking about the role of the Roman Catholic faith, uh, when looking at parents and children, their responsibilities to one another, 
uh, is that uh, one of our uh, one of our fundamental teachings in the faith talk about our responsibilities of both parents and children and to one another. So, for example, as children, our faith specifically states that we are to respect our parents and to respect them as much as possible, recognizing that we're not perfect and recognizing that our parents aren't perfect, but to always respect them. Uh, We're also taught in our faith to honor our parents, uh, honor them for the life that they've provided for us, for the gift of life that they've provided for us. And also, as children, we are expected to provide physically and socially for our parents right up until uh, their passing. So this becomes a duty, it becomes a responsibility, uh, it becomes, in a sense, an obligation on the part of children's. Conversely, if we look at the duties of parents, uh, parents also are to provide uh, physically and spiritually to their children. They're to provide them through this, throughout their upbringing. They're to provide moral education, spiritual education to their children. And, and, and that's something they're to take seriously as parents. And also they are to respect their children as children of God, ultimately, that although they too have given us the gift as children, given us the gift of life, that they've been given life as well, and that they've been given this gift of children by God, hence being the children of God. And so when uh, looking at the responsibilities of children uh, to their parents and parents to their children, uh, in a sense they're equal. They're, they're all duties, responsibilities that each have uh, from the moment we're born, from the moment we're, we're, we're united to the time that we pass. Uh, what are some guiding principles and are there when issues arise? Well, to be quite honest, I think there's not much of a choice there. Um, the family uh, in our Catholic faith, the family is... Uh, in a sense, it's a communion of persons as we see uh, the Holy Spirit to be a communion of three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, or at least the Trinity. I apologize, the Trinity, which is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Essentially, what I want to say, Dr. Gordon, is that the family becomes the origin of social life. The family becomes the foundation from which social life arises and from which social life evolves. Uh, therefore, parents as well as children, are called to love one another and to adhere to each other's needs uh, throughout our life. And so, um, are there guiding principles? Well, I, I would say there's support services that are available, and these support services can be in the parish, the local parish. They can be through Catholic Family Services, which are agencies that, again, work through Share Life or sponsored through Share Life that can assist with counseling or uh, can assist with problem solving. But I think, uh, as I tell my young people, you're kind of stuck with your parents and vice versa. <laughs> Yeah, very good. Now, I want to just pursue this in the next question a little bit further. There are circumstances, you know, particularly in North America, where the parents live thousands of kilometers away from the children right. and, and so on. And the families are spread out all over the place. And there come, do come times in people's lives when they have to make a choice uh, they don't, it's not a good situation to be in, but do I care for my parents or do I care for my children? Is there any way in which that problem can be addressed as a matter of principle? 
you know, working with uh, seniors at the Oak Ridges Retirement Home in, in Oak Ridges uh, or in Richmond Hill, many of the seniors uh, I, I, I assist and I minister to, uh, many of them uh, from time to time uh, do lament that perhaps they're not always in communication with their children, that somehow because of their old age or because of their physical conditions, perhaps because of their mental capacities, that they feel that they've somehow been isolated or abandoned and that they've been left in these homes where there is care provided, albeit uh, good care, but where they do lament from time to time their loneliness. They do lament the fact that perhaps they're not um, you know, living as they would choose to live. Uh, conversely, there are many parents that I know, or many uh, children of, of, of elderly parents that I know, that are um, that just don't know what to do. They, they're, they're tied up with their own families and their own children, uh, their own jobs, and they just feel that they're not able to provide the care needed to assist uh, their, their older parents, their elderly parents, or perhaps even their sick parents. And so there's this struggle. There's this back and forth, if you will, between them. Uh, it's never as, as extreme as, well, I want nothing to do with my parents, so I'll just simply drop them off at a senior's residence. It's never that extreme. And vice versa. It's never as, as arrogant, perhaps, from the children's side, uh, saying that they you know, uh, couldn't care for the well-being of their parents. Uh, it's an issue which, unfortunately, uh, occurs. It takes place. I know that our local churches, uh, and our local pastors are very active uh, within our seniors' homes in Toronto, meaning that they will actively visit these homes and and provide uh, you know opportunities for prayer with them and provide them the Eucharist where they can celebrate Mass and receive the Eucharist. So there is at least that presence. In an ideal world, it would be great if somehow we could all live in the same home until we all pass. But unfortunately, because of certain conditions that arise, um, I'm just not sure if, if there's um, a solution or if there's an answer uh, that would suffice uh, when looking at that scenario. I think, though, that I've heard you say that the the church does recognize the loneliness yeah. uh, as the challenge that it is. And as I understand you, please tell me if I've not got it right, the church does encourage um, visitors or people who can go in and tackle the loneliness, yeah. break yeah. down the loneliness, so that even if it isn't the children that are visiting, it is somebody who actually can be pleasant, can be friendly, and can break down the loneliness. Absolutely, and and we 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 refer to them, or, or we we sometimes call them our ministers of hospitality, for example, or ministers of the sick. So uh, this group, this particular group in our parishes, will uh, actively seek out whether it be in hospitals, in in residences, seniors' residence, in homes, where they will actively seek out people with physical and mental disabilities, uh, people. Uh, who are suffering from mental illness, who perhaps for whatever reason aren't able to get the transportation to get to the church uh, for a Sunday service or even for other services that take place. And so this group will actively engage in the community uh, and spend time with people, whether it be, again, in fellowship or in prayer, 
administering communion, uh, that is, uh, providing bread uh, that they would normally receive uh, on a Sunday uh, through the Eucharist to provide that for them in their home. So, so there is an attempt, at least. It's not perfect, unfortunately. Uh, a lot of times... Uh, from the pulpit, there'll be many announcements asking for more participation or more assistance, and, and it's not always received, or we're not always, uh, have enough people to do it. But it does, it is an active ministry in our parishes, and it does take place on a regular basis. Right. Now, this one has to be a fairly quick question because okay. of the, tyr- the tyranny of the break, but it's this. Given all the pressures on the healthcare systems, do you see an increase in care provided by faith-based care facilities, such as those you've talked about that are supported by the Roman Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic faith? What do you think? Yes. Yeah. I would say this, Doctor. I would say that... Uh, certainly there's a, there's a wide range of, of, of issues that the Catholic Church will actively engage in. Now, uh, for this answer, and I'll try to be as quick as I can, um, uh, the head of our Catholic Church, or at the Vatican in our Catholic Church, there are many different groups. They call them councils, pastoral councils, uh, which bishops uh, will gather together. They will gather the lady, uh, which are people like you and I. Uh, they will gather doctors, theologians, uh, people of the faith, and they will gather them together, and they will discuss how to tackle certain issues. There's a council right now that is called the Council for Pastoral Care uh, that, that, that meets or that is organized through the Vatican. And this council is the largest in the world that provides support to sick and to workers, the people who assist the sick. And so uh, from, from, a, from a hierarchical level, if you will, or from the top down, this is a, a council that exists and that is, is, is the largest, as I said, in the world. And it looks at tackling different issues. So, for example, how do we look at the pastoral care in terms of treatment of the sick? Uh, how does the pastoral care on the treatment of the elderly uh, look like, and how do we continue to improve on that? Um, how do we look at uh, caregiving and, and how we assist those who, who are the primary caregivers and that work in the health system? Uh, how do we look at those who are suffering from drug addiction, for example, or alcoholism? And how do we look, in a sense, overall at those responsible for health care in general? And so these are all different councils, different areas that this council will look at, and it's always focused on improving it. Now, does something practical always result from it? Uh, Can we kind of pinpoint the practicalities of it and say, well, that's happening, and this is happening, and that's where that's happening? I'm not so sure. And that might be not because we're not doing it as a church or we're not engaged in it, but maybe it's because it's just we're such a big church that it's hard to know what everyone is doing all the time. But I can tell you for sure, Doctor, that uh, this pastoral council or this pontifical council for pastoral care, it is the largest in the world that provides both support to sick, to the sick, and also support to those who care for the sick. So it is something that the church does actively uh, engage in and take seriously. Right. So time for the break. This is Dr. Gordon Anthony, and my guest is Angelo Minardi. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, Papal River. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning in to the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Angelo Minardi. Our topic is the role of the Roman Catholic faith in family caregiving. I want now, Angelo, to talk about more things that you want to do and to see done to increase help for family caregivers caring for family members at home. Um, Just before I hand the question over to you, I would say there's more and more pressure from healthcare systems for people with long-term illnesses to be cared for at home, partly because people want that and partly also because it saves the system money. So it's in that context that I'm offering, asking you the question, what more do you want to do and see done to help those family caregivers who are caring for someone who's, being, uh, who's living out their lives or um, is suffering from some kind of serious health challenge and who are living at home? One of the things that um, I actively engage in in my ministry as a chaplain is uh, making sure that with our students, we are out into the community uh, assisting those who we can, but also letting those who are caring for those who, who can't care for themselves to let them know that we are there to assist them also. So as I spoke earlier about Share Life and the different organizations that exist in Share Life, one of the things that we do is we connect with these groups and we ask what we can do for them and for in terms of the caregivers themselves as, as young people and as a school. I think we need to really provide more support locally. And when I say locally, I'm talking about our parishes in particular. So our local churches. Our local churches need to be more present uh, for caregivers. They need to be more present in hospitals. They need to be more present in schools. They need to be more present in homes. Uh, yes, our schools don't house the sick necessarily uh, in terms of how we view the sick or how we may visit them, but there are so many teachers in our schools, and there are so many young people who are caregiving, who are supporting people at home who are very sick, and they feel very alone. They feel extremely isolated, and they feel that no one is listening and that nobody essentially cares. 
And so we, we need to somehow make them know that we do care, uh, that there is support from the church, that our faith is important when when providing care for those who need it. Uh, that we're not just uh, you know talking about our faith or, or 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 speaking out loud about scriptures or about a passage, but that we're doing the work. That we're involved in the charity in the charity of the church, and that becomes crucial, I believe. Uh, another another point, I believe as well, that I'd like to see or, or, or see done um, to increase help for our family caregivers is, again, for our priests and deacons. And I, 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 I don't want to sound like I'm being tough on our priests and our deacons. Um, I mention that because it is so important that they are in the lives of the faithful, that they're in the lives of our congregation, that we don't just show up to Mass on Sunday and see them there for an hour and go home, but rather we see them in our homes, like we had Father Mario, you know, who would visit us almost every day. He never had to visit us, but he made a point of visiting us because he wanted to be part of our family, uh, to, to also be part of the community, to, to attend a community event, to walk into a community library, to assist a local high school or elementary school. These are things that I think are, are religious. Our priests, our deacons must continue to do if they're already doing it, and if they're not, they must begin to do it. Uh, and, and that's because our faith is important to us. Uh, we can't live our lives without being informed by our faith. That I believe personally to be the case. And so it's important that they are present as well. Angela, is basically the same question. That is, what do you want to do in CEDEN to increase help for family caregivers? But the help is for family caregivers in taking care of themselves. Yeah. Well, what, what do you want to do? What do you want to see done? Uh, I think, <laughs> to, to be quite honest, I think uh, what we need to do is we need to provide more opportunities for retreat for, for, for our members, for our congregation. Uh, very rare uh, do I find, or at least has been my experience within our parishes, uh, is there an opportunity uh, to have a retreat, a real spiritual retreat not a day out for a barbecue, uh, which is not a bad idea, or not a day of community where we're, you know, celebrating the life of the, com- uh, of the parish. That's also good. But I'm talking about real prayer, a time to sit down, a time to pray, a time to give caregivers a break, a time to say, you know, today I'm going to take care of you. You don't need to take care of anyone. I'm going to take care of you. And to, and to do that on an ongoing basis. Also, we need to provide more respite for our family caregivers. One of the organizations uh, that I work with, I'm, I'm a board member, is called Home on the Hill in Richmond Hill. And right now we are uh, we're, we're providing uh, a lecture series. So every three months we provide lectures in the community where we bring in experts on the field of mental health or doctors who've, uh, who've counseled or been part of people with mental illness. And we have them speak to our community members. But more so what we're doing is we're starting to collect funds so that we can build a home, we can build a, a residence where people with severe mental illness can call it a home but can also live independently in this home. And this is something that uh, we want to do on Home in the Hill, but also we want to provide respite care at the same residence where family caregivers can take a break and can spend two, three days 
in, in quiet and reflection and prayer, however they want to spend it, and be able to do that and to be able to provide for that. So I would say those would be the two main things that I'd like to see done or, or have increased help for when we're talking about family caregivers, and that is being able to provide more opportunities for Retreat, a spiritual retreat, a spiritual uh, respite, if you will, as well as providing respite uh, in terms of a facility, a place where a family caregiver can go uh, and, and spend a few days for themselves to take a break. Right. Now, final, and unfortunately, it does have to be the final question for you because time has gone very quickly. Angelo, what is your message to families and family caregivers with family members with serious health challenges? What is your message? My my message would be simple, and and if I could, just three very quick points. One, do not lose hope. we cannot lose hope. We cannot lose hope in the healthcare system. We cannot lose hope in our caregivers. We cannot lose hope in those we assist in, in, in the sick and those who are mentally ill. We need to continue to seek out hope that something and someone will emerge to continue to, uh, to assist uh, all people dealing with mental illness or those caring for them. Hope has to be the first thing we need. The second thing is we need to... Um, Reiterate, and we need to always remember that inherently, inherently, we all possess dignity and respect. Each of us possess that dignity and respect, which was given to us as a gift, which was given to us by God as a gift. So to remember that we inherently possess dignity and respect. So when it's very difficult to care, when it's very difficult to take that extra step or to provide that little bit more, Remember that each of us, including our caregivers, have an inherent dignity and respect. And the last thing I want to share, Dr. Gordon, is basically that whether or not we live with someone with mental illness, whether or not we're caring for someone with mental illness, whether or not we know someone with mental illness, we share commonly, we share commonly in our humanity this desire to feel accepted, this desire to feel that we fit in this desire to feel that somehow there's something bigger and greater for all of us and that everything will be okay. And so that's what we share as, as a common, uh, that that's common in our humanity is this hope that we're not alone, is this hope that we are uh, never isolated, that we're always connected to one another. And I think that as a chaplain, um, my ministry of presence becomes very important in this, in that whoever I can be part of in terms of their life, whoever I can share my life with, I will do my best always. And to ensure that people know that we are always connected and that they will never be alone. And in that and all of the things you do, Angelo, I wish you every strength. Uh, the work that you and your colleagues are doing is vital for our communities. Um, it's vital in so many ways. <clears throat> but the particular points you made in your in your message for family caregivers, hope, dignity, respect, and that sense that we're not alone, are profound and important. So I want to say thank you for sharing with us all the things you have shared, and I want to wish you again every possible success in your work, and if there's ever an opportunity for us to talk again on this show, I'd welcome it. 
Thank you no, so I, much, Doctor. And, and I appreciate also the opportunity for uh, to share sort of my experiences and to share my story with you and, and all of our listeners. And uh, uh, certainly I would love the opportunity if, if it ever uh, came up to, uh, to speak with you again on, on any of these issues. We'll see what we can do. And I want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. Now, in our next episode, we'll talk about physicians, humane caring, and family caregivers. Please join us same time, same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again twice every week, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until the next show, we hope our programs help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.